Genre. Welcome to Disney Animation Minute Essentials, where we are drowning in Disney's The Little Mermaid one minute at a time. I'm Andrew Dorowski. I'm Kester Dorowski. And today we are joined by Brandon Ushio from the Phantom Podcast and, and all sorts of podcast activities. Thanks for having me. We are glad to have you back, Brandon. You are technically our first guest back into recording um, as we are re-recording some minutes that, that got corrupted. Um, from three years ago. <laughs> and so you get the special like fitting into the uh, otherwise three year old series of episodes. <laughs> so, so in your other series, if you, if we start talking about current events or in the old episodes, if they're talking about current events, I can act like we're three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> we're not in the middle of, of anything crazy. <laughs> Today, we're discussing minute number 23, which begins with Eric saying, I just haven't found her yet. And it ends with Eric's ship diving into the stormy sea. That's like diving into the top of the stormy sea. Like he's, it's getting pushed off a wave. Like it's not a submarine. Dive, yes. dive, dive. Not like that diving. Uh, <laughs> and this minute of The Little Mermaid features Eric saying that he'll know when he's found the right girl. Uh, there's a huge storm that hits the ship. And Scuttle is completely blown away uh, during this. Yep, completely. Never saw, seen again. Um, just not this week. <laughs> like he is, he is seen again. Oh right. <laughs> I mean, this is this is some dark times in a Disney movie. Like this, this is the scene where like my 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 daughter would like cover her eyes. Yes. So you were gonna. Say well, I, I'm thinking about that now and saying, yeah, like this is the. Mufasa in the stampede Ugh. of this movie, um, which I mean, that might be like the true masterpiece of this, but, really but now I'm, I'm thinking about it kind of throughout the Disney Renaissance in particular okay. and having moments like this, but even, even into Snow White, this is the Snow White in the forest with the, yeah. the expressionism and in the trees and everything. This would be in Tarzan when he's fighting Sabor in Hercules when he's fighting the, the Hydra. What, like what it's, is it? it's not the main dark scary part, but it's a dark scary part, right? Yeah, it's like a, it's like a, uh, it's like an Act One finale. It's like um, Aladdin, Cave of Wonders. Yeah, Cave of Wonders Escape in uh -huh. Aladdin, um, or oh, I was just thinking of it, Beauty and the Beast uh, with the wolves. The wolves. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. there's going to be pretty consistently in this first half of the movie, uh, one of these dark moments. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think if that's like a hero's journey thing or is that just you know, an act one finale thing, but it's, but it's surprisingly consistent. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it. All. It's and, like Disney's formulaic. And <laughs> I remember it being so much longer when I was little, like it felt like an eternity when I, I was little, like it felt just so long to have the, the to have the this storm. dark scene. And I thought like so much more happened. And then going back to it, it's only two minutes long. And it's kind of crazy that it's only two minutes long. But um, I have some notes that um, I got from the commentary on our DVD with uh, Ron, John, and Alan, mm -hmm. and um, and throughout the internet as well. But um, this was one of three scenes that they started animating at the very, very beginning. So this. So they knew the storm was going to be a thing. Mm -hmm. So this scene, the under the sea scene, and the Chef Louis scene. 
these were the three um, scenes that they started working on at the very beginning. And um, this one was especially because it was going to cre- uh, use a lot of money that they knew that if they started later in the process that they would not have that money because, well, they needed to make this movie to prove that Disney animation studio could still continue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird to think about like an animation sequence costing more than a different animation sequence. Mm-hmm. But so there's a lot of details, a lot of levels and a lot of layers. And yeah. this, this uses a lot of effects animation Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the, the head of effects, um, for animation was Mark Dendale and he was basically head of the scene and, um, they used, they, it took a team of 10 animators over one year to complete this two minute sequence. Wow. That, it's, that's just so weird to think about because with live action, it makes sense when they talk about extra scenes being extra expensive or, 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 you know, heavily digitized scenes being extra expensive. And I just don't have like in my brain, the same understanding of animation and how something is, or, or like, I don't think about how something is or more or less complex and therefore more or less difficult and time consuming and expensive to animate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't think about it either. And, uh, but apparently special effects are really, difficult to do and uh for animation and also more expensive too so this is kind of interesting that they had to that this costs a lot more money and had they done it later on then they would have cut a lot from this this sequence Mm. um but they um to to work on this scene they took um they watched pinocchio and the whole monstro um scenes with monstro in them and the waves with monstro uh to to um help them like get uh what's the word i'm looking for references yes references <laughs> uh, for this scene and um it is the, the little mermaid is the has the most special effects used in a disney animation film since fantasia in 1940 that's like that's, um, that's, that's almost 50 years. Yeah, that's a long range to to go for not using a lot, which, I mean, yeah, I can't think of anything that would have yeah. used a ton. But they, they really put it into, like, this is a this is a big cinematic sequence. And it, mm-hmm. it holds up as a cinematic sequence. Yeah, it's one of the first scenes that Alan Menken um, scored. Com- scored. And, um, and he said that it was just like... In, in, intimidating almost and 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 now we probably talked about this before but it was three years ago just to make sure he did win the oscar for best original score for this one right i believe so and it's it's a great score it's a one i love this this specific specific score song score like it just every time i listen to it it just makes me like happy because i just love it um i don't know why even though it's like a really intense um, seeing, I love the score. <laughs> so one of one of the things that I noticed about this, and maybe it has to do with how expensive the animation was, the it went from like calm seas to like storm, like that. It was yeah, very it fast. was like really hurricanes quickly. coming. Oh, now we're it's here. <laughs> it's like, I think like in real life yeah. we normally get like some warnings, and you can see it further off in the distance, and it gets kind of windy before. 
And especially mm-hmm. for a hurricane, because I grew up on the East Coast. So whenever we had a hurricane, like, it was dark for hours before wind started. Um, yeah, like you and have then a we storm. got rain, and then we got hot, like, a lot more um, faster wind yeah, and fa- faster wind, uh, rain and storm and lightning and thunder. Yeah, so, like, it, it's like a storm and then... A hurricane. Like, yeah. I, like, I don't know if there's, like, a barrier to... It's like, well, this far out, it's just stormy. And then when you mm-hmm. get to this close, it's the hurricane. And then you've got the eye of the hurricane. Yeah. What? But, it like, just, they jumped a hurricane. It's like, you could have just said storm. It would have been fun. Yeah. It, it just happened so quickly. And, and they're like, a hurricane's coming! Like, so quickly. <laughs> and, now, I mean, and, I, I think that tells you, though, of who their target audience is. Because it's not us uh, as grown-ups. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. it's the kids who are like, yeah, of course, that's how a hurricane happens. Whereas yeah. I'm just like, as a grown up, like that doesn't add up. But, you know, the we yeah. were, uh, this was a few years ago, maybe when you guys were originally recording. Uh, my son, we were driving past the Great Salt Lake, which is just a, just a lake. And it was kind of stormy. And my son had just read Percy Jackson in <laughs> class. And he starts freaking out. He's like, there's a storm and it's going to turn into a hurricane. I'm like, we're okay. It's we're, I know that's a lake, but we're in the middle of a desert. We're, we're okay. But you know, that's how young children's minds work. Yeah. Um, well that reminds me that, um, I did some research on hurricanes and, and typhoons and, and cyclones and where they're like, where their names, like where people call which, so a hurricane which, which. is typically the Atlantic Ocean and it's a typhoon in the Pacific, right? So, yes, a hurricane is typically in the Atlantic Ocean, but they also call it a hurricane in the Northeast Pacific. Um, but in the Northwest Pacific, they call it a typhoon. And this okay. South um, Pacific and Indian Ocean, they call it a cyclone. Um, but I don't know if like they're different do, types of storms or if they're just like different, like if they're like soda and pop or like... Yeah. Um, I think I think largely it's terminology for for big storms, and there is probably like a cyclonic element to it. Yeah. Um, but here's the other question I have because we settle on this essentially being Denmark, and you, I mean, part of this is probably just because we have like an American centric news, you know, experience. But like, I don't think I've heard of a lot of hurricanes hitting Europe or Africa. But maybe I just don't know. And I guess it would probably be more of the Africa area because Europe's farther north than we really ever think about. Yeah. But do hurricanes hit England? Do hurricanes hit Spain? Hang on. Let me Google it. Do hurricanes (laughs) hit hit England? So for adverse weather to be officially recognized as a hurricane, it has to be the result of low pressure over tropical or subtropical water with winds of at least 74 miles per hour. The UK doesn't get hit by hurricanes often because Because of the lack of proximity to tropical oceans. So this could definitely not be a hurricane near Denmark. So are they? So, so this further suggests that Eric's kingdom is the Mediterranean as I have (laughs) proposed (laughs) in the past. I mean, it makes sense with Sebastian's accent. Just saying. Well, I mean, he has a Mediterranean accent. Yeah. Mediterranean versus Caribbean. So somehow like somebody's out of place no matter what. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, this is and but I I've argued for the Mediterranean locale because of like the seaside town aesthetics. That seems more like Italy and Greece. Hmm. Uh, I I was wondering about those beaches, 
Like where, where, where would those beaches be found? Um, I mean, you can find them anywhere. I mean, like even up in the Baltic, you've got like nice beaches. And so it could be anything when it comes to, to beaches and rocky outcroppings and all that sort of stuff. So that's not but really a strong determiner. It doesn't seem like it is a Denmark area. It, yeah. It doesn't, beach. it doesn't feel like Northern Atlantic waters. Yeah. Um, throughout all of this, like Eric's wearing like pretty warm weather, weather clothes, you know, a, a loose fitting white shirt with the sleeves rolled up. It's like, okay, well, like if you're in the Northern side of things, it's going to be colder. Like yeah. the sea breeze is not refreshing there. It is chilly. Yeah. So you would think it'd be more Mediterranean, but I mean, it's the Disney it's, universe. It's the Mediterranean <laughs> part of Denmark <laughs> in, in the Disney universe. Um, uh, But with hurricane season, it's typically from about June 1st to the end of November. Mm-hmm. And uh, with Disney's, uh, according to Disney astrology, Eric's <laughs> birthday is July 16th, which is so in the middle barely, of that. So he barely makes it into barely, the... Yeah, barely makes it into that, but like it, it, like it ties in with Grimsby giving Eric a birthday, birthday present. engagement, not engagement. Not present. engagement. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I got, I got a couple of things that I want to talk about. Big right. question here. Ariel is seen like sitting on a shelf on the side of the boat. I don't know all of the nautical terminology, but she sits like a human. And so does mermaid anatomy have leg bones? <laughs> because she like, it pretty clearly seems to indicate like hips and knees in uh... like within the scope of the fishtail. It's not just like her hips are where the fishtail meets the, the human portion, but like there's knee movement. <laughs> already told you sweetheart it's a mermaid we don't know anything about i know but does their spine just extend in a single motion all the way down we talked about the question of of like organs how's the organ distribution does do organs distribute all the way to the base of the tail and and there's like i mean you have to kind of assume that there is a, a largely human structure because of how the the fins move and the the fish legs move so here's a fun fact right marine mammals like whales have uh, up and down movement in their fins and all of the ichthyans have side to side sharks fish all of that and so the way that their spines move so that the mammalian ones move the same way that a human kicks their feet in the water right up and down and and you know wave-like motion whereas fish are always side to side um type motions and that's how their fin structure is and so that's one of the big like evolutionary divergent points for and and that's one of the indications that at some point the mammals were on land and went back into the water and and turned into mammals according to like the the evolutionary cycle obviously we haven't like observed this occur so would this mean that mermaids have a mammalian origin well they have hair so i mean that's a really good point brandon I, I would assume they're mammals because they have one of the key defining features of mammals. You know, that is a much easier way to make that argument than my attempt <laughs> at making the argument for mammalian origin of mermaids. <laughs> There's no strong explanation for how they develop scales, but, and, and breathing underwater because still all the mammals have had to breathe air. Where are the gills? Yeah. And so there's still some questions there, but, 
Brandon's got a really strong point. <laughs> and I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> Sorry about that. I mean, I like it. Case closed. Case yes. closed. So we're going to say mammalian origin. Therefore, they're going to have a pattern of mammalian uh, skeletal structure. Yeah. We'll just say. Yeah. Right. I didn't we'll even just think say. about hair. Okay. Wow, Brandon. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I mean, Ariel's red hair is the is is one of her key defining traits. So I mean, yep. Okay. Um, another thing I want to say is the back of the ship is real big. It seems absurdly big. Like the there's like the quarters. Would that be so Ariel's quarters people, or I, captain's quarters? I had that same thought. How many? How many uh, people do you think crew that ship? Uh, I'd say it's in the neighborhood of 20. Um, I I, I have some some thoughts tomorrow about the type of ship it is. And so it can be um, fairly, it can be most likely crewed by a fairly small. All right. um, All right. We'll talk about that tomorrow then. But it looks huge. It looks like a, well, it looks like it has so many rooms. Cause like the whole back part is, looks like it's just glass. And that's typically like captain's quarters. Yeah, but it looks like it's like several stories. So here's another question. Is Eric the captain? I mean, there's another... Well, you see another the, captain like the, steering so I the think, ship. I think so the captain is the guy who takes the tiller. He's more like the, the governor um, in... Uh, oh. Like, of, in like, in like, in like in Pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean. Caribbean. Governor Swan. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you have like a dignitary, then they get the captain's quarters kind yeah. of thing. Not he, he's he's or, not Captain Shakespeare in Stardust, right? Uh, that, he, uh, Captain Shakespeare had quite the quarters. Yes. <laughs> so, or the, it it could be that this is properly Eric's ship, and so they have a set of quarters for him and a nice cabin for the captain in the back, and so it's like a, it's like a double back quarters. Yeah. <laughs> Do we see Eric's insignia on any part of the ship? Uh, I the e? think it might be visible on the back of the ship, but I'm not okay. 100% then sure. Because then that would prove that it is um, well, Eric's well, okay. ship. But I'm I... going to throw in a fact that I learned tomorrow. The name of the ship is The Royal Ship. That's according to the official Disney wiki page. <laughs> the Royal Ship. So I'm going to say, maybe not Eric's, but it's um, one of the ships that's for the royal people. <laughs> and also, I think we, I think it's important to note Eric in this movie is supposed to be like 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I don't know that, I mean, yeah, the, the ages and things are different, but I, I don't know very many 18 year olds who or crews that would listen to an 18 year old. I should say. It's true. So, true. So I, I think he's more of the uh, figurehead rule. Yeah. And they're like telling him stories at the beginning. They're telling him about mermaids. So he doesn't have enough sh- sailing experience to be captain. Yeah. So he's probably like, this is probably the ship that's used for the royal family or the crown prince or whatever. And well, unless he's not the crown prince for Prince Eric. And so there's probably like a double set of cabins. So I have something to say about that, about Eric being supposedly the crown prince or whatever. Um, I had, We t- talked about Eric's insignia and questioning like what his, it, last name. his last name and stuff. And I don't know. I don't know what his last name is. I, but... I saw that when I was looking up other stuff. There, somebody had Googled the question, what is Eric, Prince Eric's last name? And all it, it came up with was like, it had one of those little boxes where it's just summarizing a Wikipedia page. It said, name, Eric. Full name, Eric. 
<laughs> so officially, there is no last name for him. But... Although for other name, it has uh, on the on the Little Mermaid uh, wiki on fandom. It what, says Prince Eric, uh, King, King Eric, Eric Lover Boy, and Dad. <laughs> Lover boy, as um, said by Ursula. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I had mentioned that I had read a book uh, called Part of Your World, A Twisted Tale by Elizabeth J. Bradwell or Bradswell. I can't remember um, exactly how it's spelled. If you start Googling that, you'll you'll get Yes. Uh, and I had read it in the last three years um, <laughs> since we last recorded stuff. And in it, it says that the name of the kingdom is Tyrulia. Tyrulia, T-I-R-U-L-I-A. Tyrulia. I I would call that Tyrulia. Tyrulia. And it has a small paragraph that specifically says... The family line with no last name. I mean, but then again, okay, if we're talking about, like, royal family lines, what's the last name of the the Queen of England? Queen Elizabeth II? (laughs) (laughs) But, like, yeah, what's... I think think officially it's it's Mountbatten or something like that. I don't know. But, like... Like... Yeah. I don't Prince know. Harry doesn't have a last name but, when you talk about mm-hmm. him. It's just Prince Harry. Yeah, but so he's Elizabeth he's a, Alexandra Mary Windsor. Oh, Windsor. Windsor. Oh, she's a Windsor. Okay. I mean, but I like, mean that makes sense, right? Yeah. See, but but you never think about it. Yeah. Like that's not really part of their identity. Yeah, it's Prince Eric. You're not trying really thinking about his last name, but in the book, it specifically said that the king and queen of Terulia once all their uh once they felt like all their children were ready to uh move on with adulthood and stuff they gave um they they had each of them move out of the main palace of Terulia mm-hmm. and um Eric chose a small castle on uh, the edge of the sea it does not give anything else it's okay, like so so, it so his palace space is like this is Eric's territory. Yes. This is this is I'm trying to think. But it says that it's it's saying that all of their children. So it's saying that Eric has siblings. And some some like I mean, I guess theoretically they could decide to break up the kingdom and say, yeah, like all the kids get their smaller kingdoms. Which is not like a great scenario, but it is an option. And this definitely seems like this is Eric's place this is eric's palace that's why it's the big e on everything so i guess eric gets to rule his own at least a town mm-hmm. as as kind of the governor and monarch of that town yeah now i okay i i do not think we can leave this minute without i know we've talked a lot about eric and what and where they're from and things like that but eric oh, so as a grown-up i hate watching these disney films analytically because I'm like, oh, you're just such an 18 year old who thinks you know everything. Are you just gonna know what it's gonna like be like? Lightning hits. No, when I see her, it's like, yeah, I wish it was that simple. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I had thought about it. I was like, should I ask Brandon? It's like, Brandon, you're married. Did Did you just know? Was it like lightning? <laughs> I will tell you, my wife and I broke up three times. Whoa. In the course of our dating. Um, and then my roommates, and I told my roommates on the last time that we were done. And they said, fine, if you get uh, start dating her again, we're going to 
we're going to shave your head. And I said, fine, it's never going to happen. So we're not going to do it. About a month later, I started dating my wife again. And uh, about a month after that, we were engaged. And uh, part of me was like, that's a really bad, bad idea. But, you know, uh, we're like thir- almost 13 years into this now. And I'm and things I, I hope they're going good. <laughs> they're going good from my perspective. Well, so. well Andrew, did, did you know that I was going to be the one? So At something first. else that I wanted to talk about. <laughs> so let me tell you more about my story just to save it. No, I'm just kidding. Andrew, go on. Um, no. <laughs> but there was a moment when you're like, yes, she is the one. But that was when we were dating. Yeah. At some point when we were dating, it became like pretty clear that things were working out. Well, well, er- well, well Eric, I mean, Andrew was going to tell you this. Uh <laughs> It was about last week. He was like, I think this will work. It's really, it's really holding up guys. So, so you're saying it didn't just hit you like lightning and then lightning flashed behind you. (laughs) When I I will tell you when I knew, I knew, but getting to that point, it was, it was a long and painful road. And I, I think Disney has done a lot to uh, give children misconceptions about how, how relationships work. Well, um, I mean, let's say fiction has <laughs> Disney. Disney they're, they're is not the only culprits, but but they're, but they're pretty they're pretty high up there on the list. I'm just I'm just saying, like, okay, okay <laughs> when, when you know, you know, but until you know, you have no idea. I mean, I do believe that some people can feel that love at first sight kind of feeling. I know some one person specifically who did, but like most of the time. Yeah, it's not it's not like that at all. I I have a friend who who did not like their significant other at, at first <laughs> and was appalled by them and now like they're together. My parents, they did not like each other and their friend actually ended up setting them on a blind date cuz they was like if you two would stop fighting, you would realize that you get along really well. And so <laughs> he set them up on a blind date and it's been uh nearly 40 years now. So mm-hmm. I mean, right. sometimes it happens like that. Yeah. Um, so the the last thing that I really did want to get out there is this is the last time we see Sebastian and Flounder in this entire week. But as a wave is like crashing over them, Flounder has like a really intense, serious game face. Like he's like, I'm ready for like, I can handle storms. And he is like ready to get in this water. Um, and it's maybe the toughest that Flounder has ever looked. <laughs> what you're saying, he's not a guppy. Uh, in this moment, he does not look like a guppy. But he's guppy number 35. Yeah, but he's going to outgrow that. <laughs> <laughs> when when it's game time, Flounder's there. Flounder shows I, up. I'll say the hero's journey in this movie may follow Flounder as well as it does. Well, actually, it might follow Flounder more than it follows Ariel. Yeah, I mean, in a in a good story, you might see multiple hero's journeys. Yeah. Um, I mean, we talk... What about Sebastian? He has a little bit of a hero's journey. I don't know if that's so much a hero's journey as growth, I mean, character uh, growth. Yeah, like character, character growth, growth, definitely. Yeah. Um, but no, for like dual hero's journeys, um, if you if you want like really good breakdowns of that, watch Frozen 2. Because you can watch yes. two full hero journeys in, in different ways occurring in the same film. And it's pretty fantastic. I really like Frozen 2. Much more than I like Frozen. He, I, he does I, not like Frozen. Not that much. He uh, really likes Frozen 2. But Frozen 2, there's a lot that I really, really liked. And 
Sequin's like, look, if you want to teach Hero's Journey, you can get two for one out of that out of that movie. <laughs> so take that to your high school English class. Any other any other thoughts, comments, or or considerations for this minute, minute twenty three? I think we we I mean we covered. We covered Eric being an 18-year-old know-it-all, and so I think I'm happy with that. And a fast hur- fast hurricane. So those those were my my notes. Um, I had one more thing. Okay. When the crew member up in the bird's nest says, uh, hurricanes are coming, and then everybody else scatters, Grimsby's just standing there, and Max runs with the crew. Where's Max going to, and why is Grimsby not doing anything? Well, we're going to learn a little bit, but Max is going to go get himself into a precarious situation. <laughs> <laughs> like all good dogs do. Yeah, he's he's going to go get into trouble. And Grimsby, I think he needs to stay there because he wants to protect the statue. That that statue yeah. is at risk. Expensive. And yes, it was very expensive <laughs> and Grimsby is concerned about it as maybe we'll see next week or next next, next episode. Next episode. I might be saving something for it. But if we're all good, then that's all we've got for you today, listeners. We're part of Dueling Genre, and you can find us and many other podcasts at DuelingGenre.com. And there you'll also find a link to a Patreon page where you can support all the Dueling Genre uh, productions. We're on Twitter and Instagram at DizMinute, on email as DisneyAnimationMinute at gmail.com, and on Facebook at the Disney Animation Minute Secret Essential Listener Society or Damsels Group. And our guest Brandon can be found at I can be found over at fandompodcast.com. Uh, we're trying to get all of the social medias at fandomcast. We're mostly over on Facebook, though. Um, and so, yeah, find me there. Find me over. I, I've been jumping around a bunch of shows over. Uh, check out Geek Nerd Network, which is the network that I am part of over at geeknerdnetwork.com. Great. And until next time, listeners, thank you for making us part of your world. <laughs> <laughs>